living, living full and well, and well, 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 put together, authentic. We feel it. Take care, care of ourselves. Of ourselves. Hello, and welcome back to the Wishing You Well podcast. I'm Amy Albero, founder of Revive Center for Wellness. And I'm Catherine Van Eyck. We're both licensed therapists and wellness enthusiasts. At Revive, we are passionate about holistic practices to help you live your most authentic life. We started Wishing You Well because living a well life isn't as simple as it seems. Because wellness isn't one size fits all, and it can be overwhelming to figure out where to start, we're bringing all of the pieces together so you can figure out what fits best for you. Each episode, we'll discuss a variety of topics ranging from taking care of your mental health, nutrition, fitness, mindfulness, and more. And today is a very special day because we have another guest and a guest that's super close to Revive. In fact, she is a Revive Tribe member. Um, We are having Elizabeth DiDonato, and she is a registered dietitian uh, and a certified dietitian nutritionist licensed in Connecticut. And she's Revive's resident dietitian. So we are going to start out with our Reactivity TV, and then we will come back and we will be basically interviewing Elizabeth and getting soaking up all of her knowledge. Um, Yes, I'm really self-motivated by this. I just want all the nuggets for myself. So (laughs) So excited to be here. And most specifically, we'll be talking about the gut and food and mood and all that kind of thing. So uh, we'll get into Reactivity TV and be right back. All right. So it is reactivity TV time. And while the bachelor bachelorette bachelor in paradise is on hiatus right now, we still wanted to talk about reality TV or TV in general, of course, and give kind of our therapist perspective or therapist take on Uh, dynamics regarding TV. And one of the things that we often say and often remind you all when we talk about The Bachelor franchise is that we are a spoiler-free podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We do like to emphasize that. And, And it just like had us thinking about spoilers in general and, um, and the role that, that spoilers play and what we might be able to kind of like understand about this desire to like, want to know the outcome. (laughs) Even though what you're saying that it's like investigative. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how it feels. So are you, well, first, are you a pro spoilers or no spoilers? It's funny. It's when I don't care, Mm -hmm. then I spoil for Mm -hmm. myself. But if I care too much if I'm really invested mm-hmm. then I don't want the spoiler it would just ruin everything mm-hmm. wait wait say more okay if, like friends of mine are talking about a show mm-hmm. and they want to know what happens and I'm not watching that show <laughs> I might look up what happens mm-hmm. because I I'm like brought I'm brought up to speed on where they're at and what the status is and I'm not going to start watching it because I don't care, mm-hmm. but I care enough where I'm like, hmm, I wonder what, I wonder what happened. It <laughs> so, piques your curiosity enough yeah. to like figure out what they're talking about, but not enough to actually watch the show. Yes. But then when I really, really like it and mm-hmm. I'm really into it, um, I don't want the spoiler. I just want, I just want to see it unfold the way that it's supposed to unfold Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah like to be 
to be receiving the information at the time the creator intended. Right. And in the way that they intended. I'm just respecting the art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I feel like I have a lot of um, thoughts about this, but you know, the reality is that people, people love a spoiler. Like there are like entire (laughs) accounts that are dedicated to spoilers and like how so much of, even when people are talking about shows and movies, it's like spoiler alert, like major spoiler ahead. Like if you don't want to know. And so like, it's like giving people a trigger warning. Literally. Yes, it is. And, and I was thinking about, um, So I'm deep in season two of The White Lotus. And at this time of recording, there's only one episode left and the season finale is this week. And I cannot get out of the TikTok rabbit hole of um, theories about um, what's going on and what the ending's gonna be. And, And there's a part of me that like, I don't, I don't actually want to know, like I, I saw, I was in a similar TikTok rabbit hole last week and people had kind of like put some clues together and those clues were confirmed in this episode. And I was like, kind of disappointed, like kind of bummed to like, to have already known. And I was thinking it would have felt so good to have, have again, seen it as, um, as like the creator, the director intended. It's like, it's like finding your Christmas presents before Christmas morning. Oh, you think you want it and then you find them and then it ruins it. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm like in this place where like, honestly, because of the the shows, like kind of intense and, and um, there's a part of me that like wants the spoiler to feel like less anxious. Like I feel like I'd feel more comforted in the outcome or or with the outcome if I knew ahead of time but then the other part of me yeah just like you're saying it would it would actually spoil the moment for me um and so yeah I was kind of thinking about just like why people even want spoilers like what that even is about like what do you what is your take on that I mean maybe a little immediate gratification Mm -hmm. has to do with that Mm -hmm. Um, you just want something when you want something and that's that. And if, you, if, if, <laughs> if there's a chance for you to get it, then why not try, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then there's some people that just want to know before other people know, mm-hmm. want to stay ahead of the curve, ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do think there is a little bit of like that flex that comes with like, oh, I saw this coming or like, yeah, I already knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I, I guess I will say like, this is the first bachelor bachelorette like seasons back to back that I didn't look at spoilers and usually I can't help myself and just like I, I get to a certain point where I want to know and my reason for knowing is again like that anxiety that like not like high level anxiety but like the stress of not knowing it feels again like that comfort comfort in pre- the predictable outcome um something I can tolerate and it's low stakes who do I what do I care if you know 
Gabby and Rachel get engaged into who. It doesn't affect my life, but like there's something about <laughs> the something about knowing. Something about knowing. And I guess it was just, it was also making me think of like so much of the way that we engage with media, with TV and movies, like so much of it has to do with comfort. And, you know, the reason that like so many of us have our comfort TV shows, like how many times can I watch, you know, Friends or um, my, my latest kind of comfort TV show that I'm watching on repeat is The Good Place. And like, I can probably recite every line, you know, um, and yet I put it on and I think, or Harry Potter, it's like I'm in the height of Harry Potter season right now. <laughs> and there is that comfort that comes with kind of knowing what, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I am, I am, my guess is that that's similar to spo- a spoiler is kind of like knowing the outcome. Right. Right. Oh, that's so true. Like there's enough uncertainty in the world that like, I don't need it on my TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, now I'm just kind of getting into a whole other that that like really brings up a whole other aspect of this is that like, I I guess it maybe gives us an opportunity to be really curious about why it might feel so difficult to tolerate the uncertainty of an outcome of characters that literally don't affect us at all. Like that probably speaks to maybe something that's going on (laughs) for us. Um, But yeah, I mean, that things might feel so unpredictable in real life that we like seek some sense of control um, in- Let me just know this one thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everything else feels uncertain and out of control. We have control here. Nail on the head. We will continue to be a spoiler-free podcast. We will. FYI. We will. And because that's not the point of our podcast. <laughs> right. Yes, that's that's true. Yes. Um, but I guess I'll be more honest when I feel tempted to look at some spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to reflect a little. What yes. am I what am I doing this for? What am I really needing right now? But I mean, the, the, there's so much truth in that in, in regard to anything that we're facing, any, any habit that we have, anything that we're just so like, we think we're so programmed to do that when we don't stop and think about what the actual point is mm-hmm. and we could be missing out on learning a lot about ourselves. Ugh, but who wants to do that when you're supposed to be having fun watching TV? (laughs) So hard. (laughs) No, I mean, you're, I mean, you're totally right. It's Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a right time and Mm -hmm. place for it. Right. Yeah. Well, and I guess I, I guess I will say that most of the, if I'm, if I'm really being reflective right now, most of the kind of like content I'm consuming like via TV shows and movies outside of White Lotus is art is like things I've seen before and um, things that feel light and things that feel kind of easy or uh, low, low stress, you know, I'm not like watching House of the Dragon right now. I just like can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I, that probably is something that we can kind of look at or just like have compassion for ourselves around like that's telling us something that like, 
maybe things feel intense and and we can we can learn about ourselves through our patterns with I watch Hallmark Christmas movies Mm. they're terrible but I love to watch them because they're just this sweet little storybook Mm -hmm. whatever and everything gets tied up with a bow at the end yeah I was gonna say they're so clean like the ending is so clean exactly I watched one that literally was 13 going on 30 but in hallmark world and which also gave me a ton of comfort because i love that movie mm-hmm. and i've seen that movie a thousand times mm-hmm. so it was like re-watching that but christmas twist yes <laughs> yeah i know i mean it makes sense why we do it but i guess we can as you're saying like gain some insight into into ourselves a little bit more yeah. there's there's I think in, in comfort shows and comfort um, and like the, the predictability that we're talking about, there's also this way to like, I, I, I don't know. I think we're, we're cognizant about the ones that we choose, not just because they're familiar, but because we like the story. We like the, um, like we liked what we're getting wrapped up in, whether it's Harry Potter or Hallmark Christmas movie, um, you're like, or friends, like you're throwing yourself into something that's like, oh, I know this. And like, these are my buddies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are, these are my people for the moment. Mm -hmm. And there's like a little escape factor to that. Mm -hmm. And that's nice. And also comforting. Right. Something familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps us up for today. Um, and we're going to continue having some some conversations around TV movies. We might get a little festive as we approach the holiday season, um, but continue to send us suggestions, whether it's shows or movies that you want our therapist take on. We would love to share. Um, but yeah, okay, let's get into our main topic and our guest. Okay, we are back and we have Elizabeth DiDonato here with us today. Elizabeth graduated from the University of Massachusetts Amherst with a Bachelor of Science degree in kinesiology, then went on to receive her Master of Science degree in nutrition and dietetics at Pace University. After graduate school, she continued her passion for holistic wellness by enrolling in an herbalism course, which highlights a food as medicine approach. Elizabeth has experience working in a behavioral health setting, working with clients who deal with various health struggles from food anxiety to disordered eating. Elizabeth helps her clients feel like their best selves by using food and herbs as a guiding factor in overall wellness. In a world full of stress and misinformation, Elizabeth encourages her clients to make small, attainable goals in order to get control of their well-being back. Her passion stemmed primarily through her own healing journey. Elizabeth has gone to countless practitioners and healers to better understand her body's ability to heal and is now providing that support to others. Elizabeth believes in whole body wellness, which emphasizes a connection of mind, body, and soul. So... Welcome. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we're so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you, not just here on our podcast, but as part of Revive. I know when you and I met, it was, it felt like such a, like, beautifully synergistic 
relationship between the way that you view wellness and the way that we do here. Um, So we're so thrilled to have you. But I guess with that being said, like this is a wellness podcast. Mm -hmm. We work in a wellness practice. Like what does wellness or living a well life mean to you? Yeah. Well, first I just want to say thank you both so much for having me. Um, Revive has welcomed me with open arms. And I agree that I felt that immediate connection with you when we first met. Um, But a well life to me means full alignment with mind, body, and soul. So kind of what you were mentioning before. But when we are completely in alignment with that, we trust our body and our body's ability to fully heal. So to me, that encompasses a well life. Mm-hmm. Full alignment. I love that. Yeah. Well, you say, you're saying alignment and just like your body's ability to heal itself. I just resonate that with that so much. Yeah. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So in your, in your day-to-day in your life, like what, what is alignment looking for you right now? Right now, I'd say just from, like you mentioned before, my own personal healing journey, um, I've been to countless practitioners and there have been people that I just don't align with and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my symptoms. It just doesn't um, like energetically work and that's okay. I take what I can from that whole situation, that whole experience, and I learn from it. Um, And I think that's gotten me to a place of really trusting my intuition with my own healing process. And now I'm able to provide that intuition um, learning experience for my clients and have them fully trust themselves when they walk into a room and they have that gut feeling of like something feels off or something feels really right and trusting that and trusting the process um, like entirely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like that's such a great thing to mention that so many times people go to a provider of some sort and they're looking for answers and they put everything into that. Yep appointment and everything into, and all of their trust into that person. And although that whoever they're seeing probably knows a lot about what they're talking about, they forget about themselves and trusting mm-hmm. themselves yeah. and how important that that is. Yeah. So that's wonderful. You work that mm-hmm. into your work with people. Exactly. And I think a lot of times people forget that they need to advocate for themselves. And that is really like the top tier when it comes to trying to heal your body is if you're not advocating for yourself, no one truly knows what you're going through. No one knows your symptoms, what you feel. Um, and so you have to explain that um, to whoever you're trying to work with, your healer, your practitioner, your clinician, whoever it is, you have to communicate that. So then people can understand um, both from a professional level and maybe even from a personal um, empathetic level too. Gosh, I feel like so much of what you're saying is also resonating with me and my like personal healing journey. And I didn't, realize that I could be an advocate in my health. Cause I think I did defer to like the people in the white coats, you know, that they have all the answers and it, it never felt like it totally uh, aligned with like, well, I'm still feeling this way. And yet you're telling me it's, it's nothing or, or something like that. And it took me going through cycles of like feeling so like there was such dissonance there between how I was feeling and, and the information that I was getting that that's really what pushed me to also advocate for myself. And I think that is such an important, I imagine that will be one of our takeaways is like to trust yourself that, that we might not have all the, all of the answers, but we know ourselves best. And, um, and as therapists, we say that too, like you're the experts in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that you like integrate that into your practice and, and helping people 
understand that, like that is our compass in a yeah. lot of ways. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Could not agree more. Mm-hmm. So speaking of your practice and how you work um, and what you do, you are a dietitian and you, you call yourself a holistic dietitian. So can you just describe to our listeners what, what exactly is that? Yeah. So you kind of led that perfectly into this next question because holistic means whole body and it could also mean interconnectedness. So understanding that I don't just take a nutrition approach to um, like working with my clients. I use all the different levels of wellness, including sleep, movement, energy, um, herbs, you know, uh, there's just anxiety, stress, all these different aspects of wellness and use those all to kind of peel back the layers to get to people's root causes of their symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that's how I approach um, working with my clients. Yeah. The root, the root cause is Mm -hmm. something that, I mean, I know is, is really important to you um, and, and, and what your practice is rooted in. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? Like, like finding that root cause or what, what meaning that has and in this, in, in your work and maybe how that might differ from other approaches. Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of times when people go to um, work on their healing, they kind of get that surface level approach where it's like, you know, oh, we're going to focus on your diagnosis and, you know, just kind of give you all of these tools to help with just this diagnosis, like by the book. When for me, I try to, I don't want to say ignore the diagnosis, but take that as like the sidekick and the main event, the main character is going to be your symptoms and how you're feeling both in your mind or both in your body, in your mind, like energetically too, how you're just feeling in general. And so using that approach helps me to like discover a little bit more about what's going on on the inside and healing from within, Mm -hmm. which is to me, like the root cause of what might be causing these more superficial layer symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So interesting. So, so a lot of people's symptoms Mm -hmm. and how they're surfacing is not necessarily what's truly going on. And so you like to peel it back and peel it back and peel it back until you really find what else there is. Yeah. And usually, you know, it, I mean, I can't pinpoint one specific root cause, but to name a few, there could be trauma, there could be stress, there could be inflammation, there could be, um, you know, blood sugar irregulation, there could be a chronic disease that maybe we haven't covered or talked about or discovered. There could be, um, you know, underlying infections, co-infections, et cetera. So there's a whole laundry list of different root causes that any person can be dealing with. And you might have multiple root causes, but trying to find one that we can, you know, start to work with. And I always say to all my clients, like, I want to take baby steps with you because that's how we build sustainable lifelong changes um, rather than kind of look at the whole picture and, you know, give more of a broad like give more broad input to what you're working with instead, like little baby changes, little baby steps. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've used this word a number of times, which is healing and, and in order to truly heal. Yeah. Trying to, to really take these small sustainable steps and truly understand what maybe brings these symptoms to the surface is it makes sense. Like in, in terms of what healing actually is and what it means, how you get there. 
It's a journey. Yeah, it really is a journey. I always say that. Mm -hmm. I know, obviously, you you work with us at at Revive. You're such a great partner and support to many of us and the clients that we work with. And so, like, in your work, like, what is it that you, or in your work, do you see a connection between food and mood? Absolutely. I love the topic of food and mood because I think so many times it gets ignored or it kind of just gets brushed to the side, but food truly does impact our mood. Um, For example, I just think of one off the top of my head, you eat something that gives you a stomach ache, you're automatically going to be in a bad mood. If you wanted to go, if you're like out to dinner or out on on a date or, you know, doing something fun, um, you, you want to feel good. Right. But if you eat something that just kind of isn't sitting right and you feel kind of like weighed down or bloated or gassy or whatever it is, that's going to impact your mood directly. Um, you're not going to feel the best. You're not going to be able to give your all to your friends or your significant other, whoever it is. So that just simple um, example there shows that food does have a direct um, impact on your overall mood. Mm. Well, and that's like, it's not obvious in a sense that sometimes people will just brush that away and just kind of try to move forward knowing that they have these aches and pains and, um, and it's bothering them and, but they're not really connecting the two still. Hmm. Um, and I, I I guess I'm wondering about also like specific foods, like are there specific foods that for anybody would impact their mood? Maybe even in a positive way. Yeah. I think, um, I also think food and mood is a loaded topic and a loaded question because unfortunately in the society we live in, we have a very negative relationship with food and with our body. And so a lot of times people walk into a grocery store or a restaurant and things like that. And they immediately label, oh, this is a good food. This is a bad food. So you already have that mindset of food as good or bad, which then correlates to maybe how we feel when we eat these foods. Um, So it's, Again, it's bringing it back to the holistic approach that it's not just a one size fits all. It's like using all of these aspects of wellness to heal your body, heal your relationship with your body and with food. Um, But what I really like to focus on with people when I work with them or when I talk to them is, you know, trying to rebuild the relationship you have with yourself by connecting your brain, your thoughts, your mindset and your body. Because a lot of times people kind of walk day and day with, um, you know, maybe feeling something in their body, whether it's hunger cues or fullness cues, and they might ignore it by telling themselves, oh, you're not actually hungry. Oh, you're just thirsty. Oh, you're just bored. Right. And using that thought pattern to tell your body, you know, oh, you're not actually feeling this. Like this is kind of a ghost symptom or whatever it is. So um, a lot of the core work that I do is trying to build that connection back up and connect the two because they're not two separate entities. We are one full body. And that's kind of going back to that whole body approach. Um, So it's, it's tough to kind of answer that question of just saying like, Oh, this food's going to make you feel good. Or this food's going to make you feel bad. Right. Because of that um, like relationship part that I just mentioned, but yeah. Does that. Well, yeah. And it's it's so interesting that you say that, um, that with, with this whole body approach, your body is trying to communicate things to you and oftentimes you're ignoring it. And we talked about this recently in a different podcast about how much your body is really trying to t- 
tap you on the shoulder and mm-hmm. tell you something. And a lot of the times, you know, in, in like the work that Amy and I do and in, in therapy that we, um, that our, our clients are often ignoring different signs, whether that's um, different symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of depression and things like that, where it's actual bodily reactions to things or uh, like sleeping too much or not sleeping enough or like getting an eye twitch that won't go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those little things or, or having um, t- tension filled in the body. And there's so much that your body is trying to tell you. Yep. Yep. All the time. Mm-hmm. I always say like your body knows you. And I always tell people this um, and myself too, our body's always going to be on our side no matter what, even if sometimes it feels like everything's breaking down and it's like, why do I have all these aches and pains? Why do I have, why do I keep getting these chronic illnesses? Why am I having these symptoms? Why am I so tired all the time? Like, why are you doing this to me body? But in reality, it's because our body is trying to keep us safe. Our body is a safe haven and it's going to do everything possible, whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling to make sure that we can ultimately feel like our best self again. And sometimes um, it might feel a little bit bumpy or it might feel like we're in more of a, a valley rather than a peak. But I always say, you know, healing is never linear. It doesn't just go straight from point A to point B. We have those peaks. We have those valleys. We purposely have those ups. We purposely have those downs. And that is all part of the process. But we are still walking one step in front of the other to get to that point A to point B, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm having a personal uh, <laughs> revelation. <laughs> I love it. I love As it. As you're talking, but yeah, I guess, I guess I keep thinking like it is sometimes I feel frustrated with myself, even mm-hmm. like I, I, I intellectually know, right. Like our bodies are so freaking smart. So smart. And as you're saying, like out, my body knows me the best. Mm-hmm. And why do I sometimes defer to a stranger on the internet? right? For like, for information. And I don't know. I mean, do you have a sense of why, why people do like not maybe listen when their body taps them on the shoulder? Like what does get in the way? It's a a lot of it is that social media is on our fingertips and we might see somebody that has our dream body or has our dream lifestyle that we want or whatever it is. And that's all that confidence that is our lack of confidence that's blocking our ability to fully trust in ourselves and fully trust our body to know that everybody's on a different journey, right? Your journey might be five years ahead of mine and your journey might be seven years behind mine, right? We don't know. And that's why it's hard to look at something like social media, which I always say is a highlight reel. Um, It doesn't give you the full story. And we're looking at it and we're seeing these people in their highlight reel in their full form when we are sitting here, maybe not in our highlight reel or not in our like best day, whatever it is. Um, and so we get caught up in that. And then maybe we think, okay, what are they doing for their healing? What are they eating? Like those eat in a day, uh, mm. posts and all the, all that good stuff. Um, we tend to get so wrapped up in that sense of healing that it brings us further and further away from our own personal intuition and our own ability to fully be present with ourselves and use what we've learned and what we've gone through to heal our own body and our own self. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have this urge to maybe outsource our yep. healing yeah. and we forget that we probably through, through trial and error have learned a lot. And, and then again, intuitively our body knows a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I always say too, it could be just past experience. Maybe someone said something to us one time of like, you know, you're, you're not worthy or you're not worth it. Or, you know, you look, you look terrible in those jeans or whatever it is, something that somebody said, or maybe multiple times, something that somebody said, uh, becomes ingrained in our, in our body. And then that keeps coming up time and time again, time and time again of, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't trust myself. Maybe they were right. Maybe I should look out to somebody else or look for something else. Um, you know, maybe, maybe somebody close to you told you one time that, you know, Oh, why aren't you listening to you? Or why aren't you doing the same thing your sister does? Or why aren't you doing the same thing that I'm doing or your friend, you know, you should really be more like them, whatever it is, those things truly do get ingrained in us. And it's all about going back to yourself and, um, you know, rekindling that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love what you said before about how often we are working against our body, mm-hmm. even though that our body is our safe zone. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's such a great way to put how, like when we outsource things and when we like, when we get so down on what we're not versus what we are and what we want to be and all of these things that, that we end up just clashing with what our bodies are really trying to communicate. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're doing these things, not to say not, not to work against us, but to, to communicate with us so that we can then communicate right back and, and work with it. Yeah. And I really think that's one of the biggest ways to um, like start your healing relationship with yourself is acknowledging that all of these little symptoms or these aches and pains or whatever they are, are actually positive, right? Making that connection of like reframing, um, oh, I have a headache again, like, well, I I can't do this anymore, but instead, okay, I have a headache. Why do I have a headache? What does this mean? Um, What was I doing? Is this something that I have to, I should probably address this headache, you know, and trying to figure out maybe it was a pattern or maybe it was an emotion that was coming up or maybe it was a food, whatever it is, but kind of uncovering it that way to learn from the symptom and learn from the experience rather than just kind of, like have that victim mindset, mm-hmm. victim mentality of, you know, oh, I have a headache again, like mm-hmm. screw this. I'm just mm-hmm. going to, you know, take a Tylenol and ignore it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. Well, it's like, it's like when you get a fever and mm-hmm. the first thing you want to do is get rid of your fever. Yep. And a lot of the times when you have a fever, it's actually supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's something working its way out of, yep. of your body. Yep. And so often we just want to put these band-aids on to try and like Always. fix ourselves in the moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it long-term, it's not something that mm-hmm. actually helps. Exactly. Well, and we see this in our work too, um, where like people are experiencing maybe an uncomfortable emotion, whether it's sadness or anxiety or, mm-hmm. or frustration. And there is this urge for, or maybe urgency around like getting a tool or getting a quick fix or mm-hmm. kind of squashing the emotion or distracting away from it. And and in our anxiety episode, we talked a lot about how like similarly, like we need to view these with as information um, that it's like our emotions are also telling us something it's it's telling us about a need that we have and if if we're able to kind of lean into it with some kindness and curiosity we could probably like give ourselves really what we need um and heal from that yeah it's spot on that was spot on um we we truly have all the tools that we need in order to heal our bodies it's just um, when are we going to get to the point of trusting that to be able to make that next step? 
That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> Loaded question. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, even as you're describing it, I'm thinking like, for some reason that feels so anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know why it's, I, it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not an easy road. Like I said, you have your bad days, you have your really bad days, then you have your really good days and it's all part of the process. Um, you know, there's going to be days where you're just fully broken down and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. But then you recognize that this is part of the journey. Um, and maybe that's something that you get into where you journal about it. And then you look back and you look at how far you've come. Even if some days it feels like you're at rock bottom, you look back and you realize you are way like higher than your rock bottom was last year. Right. And it's just about perspective mm -hmm. and kind of bringing that perspective back in to um, remind yourself of how far you've come. All right. Well, we are going to come back to this. I think it's time, yes. time for a water break. I could use a water break. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Okay, we're back from our water break, and um, yeah, let's let's get right into it. Perfect. Um, so I know we've been talking a lot about like media in general, and like it feels like my entire whether it's for you page or my explore page on Instagram is talking about the gut brain connection. Mm -hmm. um, so what what does this mean? Like, what is all the buzz about? Can you fill us in? Yeah. Um, so the gut brain connection is a bi-directional communication way between your brain and your gut. So your central nervous system and your enteric nervous system. And this just allows communication through something called your vagus nerve to give your, both your body and your mind that, um, direct communication pathway and your gut, so your enteric nervous system, is technically called your second brain because there are actually more nerves in your gut than in your brain. And majority of communication goes from the gut to the brain when most people think that it would go from the brain to the gut. But 90% of communication stems from your gut and goes up to your brain. 10% of communication goes from your brain to your gut. So Wait, I'm sorry. Whoa. Can you say that? <laughs> Did I fail biology? <laughs> I did. I have no. Whoa! Most yeah. people aren't taught this, which is a little scary. But yes, ninety percent of the communication goes from your brain. Sorry, scratch that. Ninety percent of your communication goes from your gut to your brain. Ten percent of communication goes from your brain to your gut, and so. I'm sure everybody listening and you both have experienced walking into a room and maybe you see your crush or your someone that you have a crush on or whoever it is. Um, and you get butterflies in your stomach, right? That is a response. It's an emotional response that your gut is having. Um, if you're on a roller coaster and your stomach flips, right? You're having a response in your gut of an emotion or a reaction or a stress factor that you're experiencing. And that brings you right to stress because stress is a major component of the gut brain access. Um, stress in the body is communicated as um, an inability to fully digest food. Um, because when our bodies are under chronic stress or actually acute stress, which is the way that it was supposed to be, um, 
right? If you think of hunter gatherers, you had to run away from a bear that was chasing you. And that was a life-threatening situation. So our bodies go into fight or flight mode or crisis response mode. And when they do that, they're going to put all of their attention. Our bodies are going to put all of its attention onto this chronic like crisis response mode and ignore some of the you know, less important things. And one big less important thing is digestion. So when we are under acute stress, like running from a bear, we're going to forget about digestion, which means we could either have increased bowel motility or decreased bowel motility or, um, you know, stomach aches or vomiting, trying to get food out as quickly or as slowly as possible, because we need to focus all of our attention on this, um, crisis response mode, this fight or flight mode, um, And stress is, um, it lowers the neurotransmitters in our brain. So specifically epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol, those are all of our stress hormones. And so those create all of those digestion issues of um, not prioritizing the, um, you know, motility or the um, gas or whatever it is that's coming up for you. So I know that was a lot of information. <laughs> I'm like floored. <laughs> I I want a little sciencey. <laughs> I appreciate it. I wish I, I could like spit all of that science right back. <laughs> I, like, well, no, I was I was just fantasizing about listening to this back and being able to rewind it and play it over and over again because <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm like speechless, mind blown right now, and like it makes sense, but it doesn't feel whoa I don't know I think you just solved my um current gut issue (laughs) (laughs) you could think of it as like when you think of health and wellness um when we're not feeling well physically that impacts us emotionally and vice versa right if we feel anxious or stressed out or sad or whatever it is that we're experiencing that's going to impact us physically as well so there's a direct correlation between the gut um and our physical symptoms and our mind and our mindset and all of that. So it's kind of um, bringing back the, the direct correlation between the, the, the two brains, the, your, your brain and your second brain, mm-hmm. your enteric nervous system. So, so you have like some sort of stimulus mm-hmm. that is stress mm-hmm. and you register that it then that registration then travels down into the gut and then the gut reaction to that whatever that stimulus is then so just like very simply the stress in the body is going to increase the, I think I might've said decrease, but it actually increases the amount of hormones that the neurotransmitters in our brain. So the epinephrine, the norepinephrine and the cortisol, and those are going to directly impact our body's ability to digest food, um, and just fully like work through, um, you know, your, your GI tract, your gastrointestinal tract. Um, and so when we are, under acute stress, right? Like maybe something happens, maybe we get in a car accident and we have that acute stress response, that fight or flight response, right? Our body is like, everything's going to go towards, okay, how do I deal with this fight or flight response? Do I have to get out of the car? Do I have to save the person next to me? What do I have to do? 
it's not going to care about what you just ate for lunch before that. It's going to focus all of its attention on what's going on. The issue with this is that most people are under chronic stress, right? So stress all the time. And that is directly linked to a lot of the gut issues that I am seeing time and time again, that I'm personally, that I've gone through myself. Um, and people don't realize that we are always in a fight or flight state. We are always in fight or flight mode. We are always in crisis um, response mode. And that's why we have such a hard time digesting some of the foods that we love to eat and that we might have bloating all the time or gas all the time or constipation or diarrhea or whatever it is, whatever these symptoms are, because our body is trying to deal with this constant state of fight or flight, this constant state of stress hormones, just taking over our body. Mm. And so it's bringing that, um, understanding of how is stress impacting that gut brain connection. <laughs> wow oh my gosh so what do we do yeah <laughs> fix it <laughs> help me <laughs> well a lot of the things that you could do are just trying to get back to um like dealing with stress so mm -hmm. stress can come from a whole bunch of different things and a lot of times stress are things that we can control and a lot of times we can't control the stressors so there are the majority of things are happening outside of us that we cannot control. But what we can control is how our body responds to the stress and how we internalize it and how we um, kind of relax the mind, relax the body to be able to let our body know, okay, this isn't affecting me right now. Like it's going to be okay. I could deal with this later or I could deal with this, you know, whenever, but I can tone it down so I can get back to, you know, dealing with my internal issues that are coming on. So I always like to focus on getting back to um, supporting your something called the HPA axis. So the HPA axis stands for your hypothalamus, your pituitary, and your adrenal gland. These three glands um, dictate the stress response in the body, the stress hormones in the body. And a lot of people, majority of people actually have a dysregulated HPA access. And it's because of this chronic state of fight or flight, this chronic stress mode that we are all just, we're go, go, go all the time. We just kind of push our emotions down. We don't address everything that we need to when they come up. Um, and it's put ourselves in this state. And so ways that we can help target that adrenal hypothalamus and pituitary access is, you know, making sure we're I'm just going to say some examples like walking regularly, getting daily sunshine, um, increasing the amount of colors that we're eating, um, making sure we're getting adequate sleep, especially adequate deep sleep, um, focusing on HRV, which is our heart rate variability and that, and how that impacts, you know, our body's ability to handle stress. And I know I just brought up HRV. So you're probably like, what the heck is that? Heart rate variability is our, it's literally what it says. So it's our hearts, our heart rates, um, ability to change based on stressors that are happening outside of our body. So, you know, if I started throwing things and making a huge mess and a lot of noise, you might be startled and your heart rate might change. 
right? And your body's initial response to changing that heart rate shows how adaptable you are to stressors. So we want to make sure that we are, um, our heart rate is variable. So we know that our body is able to adapt to stress in a productive manner rather than kind of pushing it down or or ignoring it or kind of overusing it, whatever it is. And so I focus a lot on that too. Um, And yeah, I know I just, I I said a lot. (laughs) I mean, I feel like there's like, there's so much that you end up doing with your clients. Mm -hmm. Like it's seems so limitless. Like you were just targeting all of these different areas. It's so cool. It's the holistic approach. Mm -hmm. You focus on everything. It's, it's not a one shoe fits all one size fits all approach. It really encompasses so much. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding this a little bit. Okay. So the first part of what you said is that we have essentially these two brains, Mm -hmm. right? We have our brain and then we have the brain that lives in our gut Mm -hmm. and, um, our gut brain communicates vast majority of information to our what brain, is, brain. brain brain. Yeah. So our central, <laughs> our central nervous system and our enteric mm-hmm. nervous system, the yes. enteric is the one that lives in our gut. Mm-hmm. The central nervous system is our brain and then mm-hmm. our, our spine. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so then you started talking about stress and how it sounds like an initial um, way that we might experience stress is through a gut reaction. And because our, um, it sounds like both brains are our first and second brain are preoccupied dealing with that stress that that might mean that our gut maybe, uh, prioritizes things like digestion and on a more secondary basis, because it's having difficulty dealing with the stress or like main priority is dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay, good. Um, So then you talked about um, kind of like the reality is it's not that we're necessarily dealing with an acute stressor, but that we are chronically stressed and we, and our society is kind of one that just kind of perpetuates this through like this go, go, go Mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. And so it's no wonder that like so many people deal with gut issues, myself included. And that's kind of the the bells that were ringing in my brain as you Mm -hmm. were describing this. And, and I guess what I was starting to think about, and then you kind of talked about ways that you help your, your clients or your patients manage through this. If they're dealing, if they are, as many of us are dealing with chronic stress and gut issues is that you'll kind of think about things with them that they can do that can contribute to just overall well-being and mm-hmm. managing stress from a more holistic yep. standpoint. Yep. And I love that, but I was and I was also thinking um I am in a period of time where I'm um like dealing with some gut issues and my immediate thought was it must be something I'm eating. And so mm-hmm. it sounds like what you're saying is it can be and it's probably I've also been my like stress has really increased recently. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like what you're also saying is when we might be experiencing shifts and changes in in our in our gut or in our digestion, like that's our, our body's way of tapping us on the shoulder and saying, hey, like let's look at your stress. Let's look at how you're managing stress or your life and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. It's all about peeling back those layers Mm -hmm. and uncovering what else is going on beneath the surface that might not 
be the first thing that comes to mind when we are having a little bit of bloating or when Mm -hmm. we're having a little bit of gastric issues, it's like, oh, what did I have for lunch? Like, oh, maybe it was the dairy, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? Those are the things that come up, which, you know, absolutely those foods can definitely be triggering these responses in our system, but there's always something else there. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, there's something else there that we're not fully addressing as well. And if we don't address that whole approach, that whole body, you know, approach to it, we're never going to fully heal the symptom that we're, you know, trying to Mm -hmm. fix. Mm -hmm. And what if somebody's experiencing a symptom and, and, and I guess like in a way stress could be one of those things. Um, but what if somebody is experiencing some other symptom where it's showing up somewhere else on their body? Um, how would they potentially even know to think about, okay, this could, this could be my gut. The gut is home to I don't know the exact st- statistic, but it's home to the majority of our disease states or our symptoms or illnesses and all of that. It is the hub. It is our microbiome. It's our gut microbiome. It has hundreds and thousands of bacteria that live in there, both good and bad bacteria, because we need both. But that drives a lot of the diseases that we have, right? Because you know, if, if our gut is imbalanced, it's going to have these, um, disease or viruses or bad bacteria, whatever it is sticking to it or getting through quote unquote leaky gut, um, getting through and into the body when it shouldn't be right. And so that can cause a whole host of different things, right? If a disease state gets through the, the gut lining, um, that leaky gut, that dysbiosis into the body, it might cause, you know, an issue with your pancreas or an issue with your liver, an issue with your kidney or issues with your skin, whatever it is coming up for you, heart, et cetera. And most of the time we target that organ that it's happening to, right? Oh, we have issues with our pancreas now. Okay. We're going to focus on the pancreas and deal with that. Most people don't look deeper and look at the gut, right? A lot of the time um, that just kind of gets ignored because we want to deal with the symptom that's coming up, which is absolutely valid. If someone's dealing with something, we want to make sure that that gets taken care of, but we want to look deeper and see, okay, how is your gut health? How is your, um, you know, how's the stress level in your life? How's the anxiety in your life, et cetera, to see if there's anything that we can do to support your gut to then be able to have that snowball effect of, you know, helping all of the external symptoms going on inside your body. But yes, absolutely. There, there can be inflammation going on in your body um, that can look like, you know, metabolic issues, blood sugar, um, you know, having a hard time detoxifying things through your liver, skin issues, um, hair loss, like brittle nails. I the the list can go on and on, but a lot of things can show up as, you know, those external symptoms and looking deeper, it, it could in fact be the amount of stress and, and your, um, and your gut health. This might be a really silly question. Um, but when you say, look, like looking at the gut or just how does someone know if they have a healthy gut? Like, how do you know? A lot of it's going to be from just like a external perspective. Um, you know, it could be kind of not really having 
many symptoms. It could be from having higher energy, um, you know, healthy hair, healthy nails, healthy skin, um, you know, no issues with sleep, just kind of feeling really, really good. But there are a lot of tests that we can do. Um, I always, with all of my clients and patients, I love to do a full nutrient panel, look at their blood work, see if there's anything that, um, you know, any inflammatory markers or metabolic things, um, that might be showing up on their blood work that tell me, you know, okay, there's something deeper that I want to look into. Um, there's also stool tests. So like to look at a stool test and to kind of look at all of their, all of the keystone species and pathogens that are in their gut microbiome to make sure that they are, um, properly balanced. Like there's not too much of one and not enough of another. Um, because a lot of times people, might be walking around with a parasite from a water that they drink and they don't even realize. And, you know, it's not until five years later when they start having severe symptoms that they're like, oh, wow, this was from that trip I took five years ago. And it's just starting to come up now. Um, so I always encourage people in general to get a full nutrient panel done um, to kind of test for any deficiencies or like I said, any inflammatory markers. Unfortunately, a lot of um, like your typical lab panel, your lab work isn't going to go very in depth at all. Um, so I would definitely look to seek out, you know, another practitioner, specifically a holistic practitioner, practitioner, whether it's a dietitian or, you know, a just an integrative and functional doctor to take a step further and look a little bit deeper at what's going on inside your body, specifically with your gut health. Um, and just want to clarify everything that I'm saying is not medical advice. Um, I definitely encourage you all to seek, you know, your practitioner that aligns best with you. If you are looking to, um, you know, kind of discover your gut health and your symptoms that are coming up for you, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm just like so in awe still. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think you've mentioned a lot of um a lot of paths that people can start to take. Mm -hmm. Um, but in general, um, if someone wanted to take one small step or a few small steps toward improving their gut health, what's what are some things that you might recommend? One big thing I want, you know, people to focus on is what can you add to your lifestyle rather than remove? Because that's always easier. It's always easier to add something to what you're already doing than to take something away. And unfortunately, a lot of times people look at their health and look at, you know, their, their wellness or their symptoms and say, all right, I really need to stop eating sugar. I really need to stop eating carbohydrates, or I really need to, you know, stop drinking so much or whatever it is. And they tend to always focus on, I need to stop, stop, stop. But we never think of, okay, maybe I need to add all these different, you know, benefit, um, you know, producing nutrients to our, our lifestyle. So I always encourage people to eat colorful foods, make sure your plate has at least two to three different colors on there. Um, Think of it as like eating the rainbow. So if you want it to be a little bit more structured, you could focus on maybe Monday is your um, your red plant day. Maybe Tuesday is your orange plant day. Wednesday yellow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But these colors contain phytonutrients, which literally translates to plant nutrients. Um, 
And those have specific vitamins, minerals, and health benefits that people are not prioritizing all the time because we tend to get maybe hyper-focused and eating on one specific food or, you know, not really venturing out. But if we just make that small step to, um, you know, maybe check off in our brain today, I ate yellows and oranges. Great. Perfect. Tomorrow I'm going to make sure that I prioritize my blues, purples, and my greens and just kind of doing it that way. So we're ensuring that our gut is getting all of those nutrients um, because all of them have their own specific job in our body that doesn't get done if we're not, you know, incorporating them. Mm. So eat the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And is there any, it, so it's not, I was go- going to ask, is there anything people should avoid, but it sounds like that's the opposite of what you're, what you're going for. So we'll, we'll just kind of leave, leave that out. Just, just think about, think about what you can add. Yeah. And one of the, one of the a place to start is eating the rainbow. Yeah. And there are going to be people that, you know, based on your own, body metabolism, diseases, whatever it is you're working through, your symptoms, there are going to be things that you're going to want to avoid. But that goes back to what I mentioned before of seeking that practitioner to really work with you, give you that individualized meal, like meal um, approach, food approach um, to fine tune what it is that you need to prioritize and what maybe you do have to avoid or remove from your life. Um, But in general, every single person could definitely benefit from just eating some more colors. What colors have you eaten so far today? Oh boy. Um, let's see. I had some purple cabbage. So I got the purples in, I had, um, some basil and a little bit of arugula. So I had some greens. Um, and I had a yellow bell pepper. Yeah. What about you too? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, um, oh God. Um, I had a bunch of like cauliflower and onions in like lunch today. So it's white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, what else have I had? I had grapes. Um, I know what I'll eat tonight, which will be very like green, like string beans and some leafy greens and Beautiful. things like that. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yellow, uh, green, a very, very, my, my, my lunch, lunch was colorful. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what saved me here. I'm like, <laughs> my breakfast was very bland, looking, <laughs> but there was banana in it. Um, yeah. Red, green, yellow. It was like a dark Brown. color in there. Yeah. Oh, it was black rice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is that like purpley kind of? Maybe it's black. I ate black today. <laughs> That's not on the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, but that is, I'm, I'm sure that there are colors that I don't get in as frequent, like yeah. as regularly as yeah. I should. Yeah. And I will say like specifically for the phytonutrients, it's mainly from plants. So mainly from your mm-hmm. vegetables mm-hmm. of getting those colors in, um, right? Like orange is going to be all your beta carotene mm-hmm. foods mm-hmm. and, you know, so on and so forth. But um, they're... There are, you know, a lot, you could even Google what, what, um, what foods are, you know, in your phytonutrients and then they'll tell you all the different foods. Um, but yeah, I think majority of people don't think when they're eating their food, like, oh, am I getting enough colors? Am Mm -hmm. I getting enough nutrients from those phytonutrients? 
but just bringing that onto, you know, people's radar. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it, it kind of, it could be fun to just look at your food and say, you know, what can I add here to make it a complete Mm -hmm. rainbow? And then Mm -hmm. you grab something you would have never in a million years grabbed, but now you have it. So you just boosted up your, Mm -hmm. your amount of nutrients that you're getting just from that one simple little yeah. You know, addition. Just thinking of the colors. Just so elementary. <laughs> well, it's it also like makes your plate look more visually oh, yeah. appealing. Oh yeah. And like I was thinking about my lunch today. It was so I had forgotten like an ingredient from from my lunch. Um and it was just like so sad. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Instagram worthy when you get all of your colors. <laughs> you can take a beautiful picture of it and yeah. check off that you got all your all your colors. Yes. Okay. Um, is there any last thing, like main thing that you want our listeners to kind of like, to know that we haven't touched on yet, or maybe one of you, you want to reiterate? I know we covered a lot here, but I think the biggest thing is just, you know, really trusting yourself, trusting the process, um, believing in your body's ability to heal, and um, recognizing that it's okay to have your bad days because good days are right around the corner um, and to always continue to advocate for yourself because that's number one. I want you to, I want everyone to always advocate for themselves. And, you know, if, if you need support, there's always going to be someone there that you can turn to, to help advocate with you. Um, but at the end of the day, you're the one in the driver's seat. So you get to make the decision of where you're going next. The person next to you will just help cheer you on and be your cheerleader, which is always wonderful, but you have full control over the situation and acknowledging that and being present in that is just going to take you on a beautiful, wonderful, crazy journey. Yes. I love that. That's such a good, such a good takeaway. And I think overall message um, in addition to that, that's that really stood out to me and maybe because they just resonate for me personally are just like the role of stress and how they can really impact like your overall functioning mm-hmm. uh, or how stress can impact your overall functioning. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like finding a root um, or, or thinking about the root cause is so um, integral to like gen overall healing. Yeah. Um, so those were like my two main, main things of, in addition to what you said, trusting yourself, trusting your body, but, and like looking at stress as, um, as a, as a contributor to how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And just that, even just that, what, what you said about um, 90% of the oh, messages yeah. are coming from, your gut to your brain, Mm -hmm. not, not the other way around. That was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm mind blown. Well, before we actually have you leave us for the day, we want to wrap it up with the way we always wrap up our show, which is through our self, our self-care menu. Um, So I know you're familiar with the self-care menu a little bit, Mm -hmm. but just to kind of reiterate, um, we have broken our self-care into appetizers, main courses, desserts, and three-course meals. So appetizers are your bite-sized self-care, main courses are your more substantial, satiating self-care, 
desserts are your treats and three course meals are your self-care feast. So like on vacation or something bigger like that. Um, and I love that we're talking about food and now we're talking about menu. Yep. So this is just really weaving together it quite perfect, nicely. Perfect. Um, so Amy and I always ask each other what's on our menu, but we want to ask you first, what is on your menu this week? Um, let's see. So appetizer is going to be something small, right? So I'd say a small self-care for me this week is um, I'd love to get a manicure because my um, <laughs> my nails are not the best right now. So I would love to do that. I haven't gotten one of those in a while. So I'd say that could be my appetizer. My main course is um, really prioritizing my sleep this week. Uh, after the holiday weekend, I've just kind of been slacking on my sleep and not getting to bed on time. So I really want to get back to good quality sleep. Um, my dessert would be, I've been meaning to bake brownie cookies. So I think I'm going to try to do that this week. And share the recipe with Yeah, us. and share the <laughs> recipe. Now I'm held accountable for that. Um, that's going to be my dessert. And then my three course meal would be um, really just like kind of going back to everything that I talked about today of just acknowledging my own personal triumphs through my own personal health journey um, and recognizing all of the like positive steps that I've taken throughout this whole process Um and really continuing on of all the things that I do for myself that make me feel good. And that make me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm prioritizing my own self and my own healing. So I'd say that would be the overall three course meal for myself. I love that. Me too. That's definitely a three course meal. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's great. How about you? Um, I think, okay. So, so this, this is kind of like a bigger concept um that I've been like really thinking about but it, it will end up being appetizery um so I've been like thinking a lot about future Amy like mm -hmm. in my day-to-day -day, and in in small ways so like yesterday I was like at at a different office and I was taking the trash out and there wasn't like there weren't extra bags like underneath the one I was mm -hmm. Uh, taking out and I like was feeling like oh, I don't really want to like refill this but then I was like future Amy is going to really appreciate that this is here uh, and like that's like kind of a silly thing but no, I love that and even this morning like my coffee maker was like out of, out of after I made my cup of coffee my coffee maker was out of water and I was like I'll just do it tomorrow and I was like no like let me think about tomorrow morning Amy like who's really going to appreciate like having this here and yeah. so I've been really trying to be mindful of ways that I can take care of my future self even if that future self is tomorrow morning okay. so I feel like that's main course. It, I mean, it's, yeah. it is that's like it's, really setting yourself up. It is. I really but they're, like that. They're through like little bite sized yeah. ways. Yeah. So, so I think it is a little bit of both. Um, so it's like a lot of appetizers and a lot of that instead of a tapas tapas. restaurant. But my, my like treat, I was thinking about something you shared a, a while back. Um, I, I've made plans with friends for this weekend and you, you, you're an adult, you have friend friendship. So I know, you know, it's hard to get everybody together. Mm -hmm. So we planned this thing to get together months ago. 
And if you're listening, I'm really excited to go. I promise. <laughs> but like, I'm actually in this moment, like, I really don't want to go. It's Sunday night. It's five o'clock. I have a big day on Monday and I'm going to be, and, and like, I'm, I'm talking myself out of going, but I know I'm going to enjoy it once I'm there. So that will be, will be a treat, even though right now it feels like a little daunting and overwhelming to do, but I'm still going to do it. Yep. I'm excited. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um. Okay. So one thing that, that Elizabeth that you had said was sleep. That is definitely on a main course for me. Um, and something that I have been prioritizing and it has just felt so good. And I, so I'm going to keep it up. Um, the other thing, I think it's more three course meal is I'm really into, into holiday traditions and like doing things that like just emulate me embracing the holidays because I'm just really into them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like already set out kind of my December of little holiday planning things and what kind of thing I want to do so, when and so with fun. who and sort of thing. So I'm just embracing the holidays in my three course meal. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Cool. Yes. It's a fun season. Yeah, it is. Can be. It can be. Yeah. yeah. It can be stressful and, and not as fun too. Right. Right. Yeah. So when it can be fun, then I want to make it fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings us back to mindset. So just mm -hmm. getting your mindset to thinking, you know, mm -hmm. okay, this can be fun. Mm -hmm. How can I like, you know, fully embrace the holidays and fully embrace, you know, being with my loved ones and whoever, mm -hmm. um, and trying to keep that at the forefront and then mm -hmm. manage all the, all the other things. One thing that you said in a meeting that, that we were all in, um, glimmers of oh, joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like to focus on kind of reframing your mindset and specifically with um, these little things called glimmers. So a lot of times people walk day to day and they think about the triggers, like the things that trigger them throughout the day, whether it was, you know, oh, I got an argument with my spouse or I, you know, did really terribly on this exam or, you know, I ate this really bad meal, whatever it is, we tend to focus all of our energy on today was a bad day because of this one specific thing or these few specific things throughout the day. But we never really think about all of the good things that happen throughout the day. And when I say good things, I mean very, very small, minute things that just change the chemistry in our body to make us feel like kind of like we're just taking a deep breath and like putting our shoulders back and just kind of feeling like, ah. So I call those glimmers and glimmers can be anything from feeling the sun on our face, like having blue skies, walking past a stranger and them smiling at you, um, you know, having someone hold the door open for you feeling the cold grass on your feet, whatever it is, but these little things that just give us like, you know, a nice sense of like fresh air, um, metaphorically and physically, those are the glimmers. And I like to think about the whole day and try to, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm talking to whoever it is and they say, Oh, how was your day? You know, kind of reframing it to, you know, it was really nice. This, this really amazing person held the door open for me and I never got their name, but they smiled at me so nice. And it just made me feel warm inside. Or, you know, I had a really great conversation with my boss and she just told me how good of a job I was doing or whatever it is. And like, you focus on that and use those, um, use those little glimmers to brighten your day. Mm. I love that so much. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I think that is a good thing to keep in mind, especially yeah. as we get into a season that Through the holidays. that can be fraught, yeah. you know? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And for being thank here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so oh, much. So much. Um, this was so fun. I'm still like marinating. <laughs> <laughs> Take all the time you need to marinate. <laughs> but um, yes, I feel like you dropped so much knowledge and also gave us like such a tangible takeaway too that that we can that we can actually implement and do. Mm-hmm. I'm not just uh, Catherine and I, but but everyone who's listening. So thank you for that. Of course. Um, Okay, so to continue to kind of uh, to continue to be able to access Elizabeth's like beautiful um, uh, like framework and approach, you can follow her on Instagram at Purely Rooted Health, which will be in our show notes. And if you are interested in working with Elizabeth, you can find her through us at Revive, um, revivecenterforwellness.com or on Instagram at revivecfw. Um, you can find Catherine at Catherine Van Eyck and you can find me at Amy Albero LCSW. And um, we appreciate any feedback, any questions, anything that you might want us to keep in mind going forward, topics you want to talk want us to talk about. You can email us. We have an email um, wishing you well at revivecenterforwellness.com. Um, so we look forward to seeing you all soon and we are wishing you well. Bye. Bye.